Located in the Black Hills of South Dakota, Mount Rushmore is a monumental sculpture carved into the side of a mountain, depicting four of the most famous and influential presidents in the history of the United States of America. Jeremy. But he is still human. MC. He represents real-life villainy. Rudy. Buckle up, chumps. He is ruthless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Rushmore Podcast, where pop culture, as we like to say, is carved in stone. I am your host, MC. I am feeling really good today. Had therapy over the phone about an hour ago. So like they say in Cool Runnings, I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap off of nobody, and I'm going to destroy my three co-hosts tonight. My first co-host, Spro, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm nervous after that quotation. I, <laughs> you intimidate me, my friend. Spro and I um, also uh, co-host the Second Chance Cinema podcast, which you can which you can check out um, in the links below or um, at the social media handles at the end. And let's see, so you and I co-host the podcast, and then you and Rudy also co-host the podcast. So Rudy, how are you doing? Oh, I'm two drinks in and running on three hours of sleep. Let's do this. Three hours of sleep. Now tell us why. Um, for the tens of listeners out there, I, uh, my wife and I recently welcomed our uh, second child, a beautiful baby daughter, Violet. She is uh, one month old yesterday. Awesome. That's fantastic. And just so our dozen listeners know, we've already warned Rudy that when all of his picks get dissected and destroyed, he can't use the baby as an excuse and be like, Oh, sorry guys, I got to go. I got to go feed the baby. He's, he's in it till the end. And, um, you know, even if it's going to be a, a, a a bloody scarred gash drag across the finish line. And we respect that about him. My picks are a lot. All right. Winnie, Love come on. that dog. Love it. Who let the dogs out? Wait up. Okay, Can hold that on, dog hold hear on. me? Is that dog racist? Here. Should I, I, should I use my do, Caucasian do. voice? Yeah, to talk like a white. Well, 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 gee whiz. Golly, Is your y'all. kid trapped down a well or something? Is he trying to tell you something? <laughs> <laughs> hold on, sorry. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, buddy. She's a golden retriever. Wasn't Cujo a golden retriever? No, she's very yeah. sweet. Oh. But she she had a hard life before she came here, so um, oh. she she gets you know a little antsy sometimes. Oh, so hold on. Cujo one was a Saint Bernard. That reminds me of a movie called Man's Best Friend that should be on this second chance cinema that, with Ali Shuti. Ali Shuti and Lance Henriksen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always the mark of excellence. All right, let's see if I can. Let's see if I can be. Now, can you hear the fish tank running in the background? A little bit. Sounds like you're bit. peeing. All right, yeah, I'll turn it you off. Brought it up. I didn't hear it. Now that you brought it up, it's all I can hear. All right, I forget where I left off. Does anybody have to remember? Jeremy, uh, you haven't introduced Jeremy. Okay, hold on one second. All right, and last but certainly not least, our final co-host has actually been a special guest on two episodes, I believe, of Second Chance Cinema. A incredibly intelligent and well-versed 
film scholar, pop culture expert, etc., etc., published author, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? I am much better after that intro. That was a very flattering intro. Now, Jeremy, um, our past two episodes have always put you in sort of a um, an unenviable position. You always seem to be the one that the wheel lands on to eliminate and to um, sort of weigh in as like the, the thumbs up or thumbs down. Have your nerves calmed down since we've got a couple of these shows in the bag? I'm feeling a little better now. Yes, I'm just trying to embrace my inner ruthlessness now. I'm just saying. Well, speaking of ruthlessness, that brings us to the topic for tonight's show, which is human movie villains. Wait, actually, was it just human villains or was it human movie villains? Movie villains. I thought it was human movie villains. Yeah, movie. Okay, human movie villains. So we we have been discussing this topic mostly in in taunts back and forth to each other saying of course you know my picks are a lock my picks are a lock and the more we did that the more i started thinking about like i had an initial list of picks and it was pretty i I thought it was pretty ironclad but then i started thinking more about what makes a good villain and what would make a good villain applicable to this list and i'll admit that my first initial list is completely was completely different from the list that I brought to the show tonight. So, first question, Spro, what do you think makes a iconic villain? Uh, it's going to be readily apparent when I read my list, but I I think they I think they uh, succeed in their endeavors. I don't think they fail. I don't think they die in their movie. I think I think a iconic villain survives and thrives after okay. after the movie is over. That said, and just knowing what I know about you, I would be willing to bet my life savings that I know who one of yours is going to be. I won't spoil it, but <laughs> I would be willing to bet that based on that criteria, uh, and, and I kind of like it when this happens, when I can, I feel like I know who somebody's going to say, and I have a feeling that, that I've got one of yours pegged, but only one. Rudy, what what did you look at when you were deciding what makes a good villain? So like you, I uh, had a list, and I think from that list, only two uh, stayed from my initial list, and I I mixed it up, and it kind of came down to, uh, when I looked at it, it's kind of like memorable taglines or like memorable moments in in, in this villain's arc, so... That kind of, judging by my list, was my definition of a villain. Okay. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Weigh in. I would agree with Rudy. I saw one-liners or taglines and things that they said that that really stuck with you. But also villains that that you could identify with and that that almost become more compelling than the hero. That the reason you're watching this movie is because you can't wait to see what the villain does or says next. So that ultimately you may know the hero will prevail – but the villain is what you take away and what you remember. Okay. I would say that my criteria is kind of a Frankenstein of all those. I think that certainly iconic moments are necessary. Possibly more important for me was the motivation. A good villain is motivated by something more than just being evil. And the notion of the villain winning, or at least if not winning, making the hero, <clears throat> excuse me, making the hero question something about his existence is, is huge. 
So those were my kind of criteria. And just to confirm, we all have our lists. Yes, I got a. I'll, yeah, I have six. I'm going to narrow it down to four. I'm going to impulse buy my my horror or my, not horror villains, my human villains. Okay. Right before I go, Rudy, you've got your list. C. <laughs> Jeremy, you've got your list. Yes. All right, I've got my list, and I'm ready to blow you all away. So I'm going to spin the wheel. It's got all of our names on it. We're going to see who goes first. When I land on the name, whoever that is is just going to read the four names and the movies they come from. Ready? Here we go. All right, Rudy. You're first. <laughs> All right. Buckle up, chumps. Here we go. My first one. This was my lock. It's gonna it's up there no matter who's who's I'm debating. Uh Hannibal Lecter from Silence Silence of the Lambs. Uh my second one is Kath uh or uh oh gosh, Kathy Bates character from Misery. Um oh hang on. Andy gotta, Wilkes. Huh? Annie? Annie Wilkes. That's it. Yep. I I wrote down all the characters except her. Annie from Misery. Iconic. All right, here come the last two. Brace yourselves. My third pick is Alonzo from Training Day. Um, my last pick has been inspired uh, by my, I guess you would say, reintroduction to this character recently. Uh, my last one is Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid. Yes, Sensei! Wow. All right. <clears throat> next up, we're not going to discuss. We're just going to name. Uh, next up, Jeremy, go ahead. All right. There is uh, some crossover with Rudy, so we'll start there. I also chose Annie Wilkes from Misery. I also have Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Mm. And a controversial choice. But uh, I think one that is uh, that will be interesting in discussion is Carter Burke, Paul Reiser's character from Aliens. Um, mm. And the last one is going to invite some debate, but uh, I will uh, be interested in uh, hearing what people have to say. And because he is a human, is Darth Vader. Leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. Okay. Spro, you go ahead. All right, I have Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon, Hannibal, TV show, Manhunter. I have Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct, Sharon Stone's character. I have Leonard from Memento, Guy Pierce's character. And then my last one is Kaiser Sose from The Usual Suspects. Nobody ever believed he was real. Nobody ever knew him or saw anybody that ever worked directly for him. Okay, for the record, I was wrong when I said I guessed one of yours. I completely was wrong. But I'll read my list. <clears throat> I have the Joker from Dark Knight. I have Max Cady from Cape Fear. I have Bill Lumberg from Office Space. And Rudy, <laughs> my boy, mi amigo, I have Alonzo Harris from Training Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's discuss. There were two crossovers. There was Annie Wilkes from Misery, and there was Alonzo Harris from Training Day. So they pull out to an early lead. Hannibal Lecter was also a crossover, wasn't he? Oh, Hannibal Lecter. There was three. That's right. Hannibal Lecter, Annie Wilkes, and Alonzo Harris. So 
right away we've got a couple of front runners. Now, Spro and Rudy, you both picked Hannibal Lecter. Tell us why you thought Hannibal Lecter deserved to be on the list. Go first. Do you want to go first? No, you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hannibal Lecter, I think to me is, is one of the most scary characters that has ever graced the silver screen. But in the same instance, he's also one that people could not get enough of. Hence why he spawned the entire series, a television show series and three movies. It's based mainly off of how Anthony Hopkins played him, but also the fact that he is just creepy and his character continues to evolve. I want to say also that James Spader from The Blacklist is somewhat like Hannibal Lecter's character because not only are they ruthless villains, they're also cultured. They can compose symphonies. They can they talk in various languages and they're just so goddamn charming that it's unbelievable that you would almost want to sit there and listen to Hannibal Lecter talk about how he ate his victims and just go, yeah, but how did it taste? See, to me, and I, I'm going to jump in for a second. You could say the same thing about Frasier. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Charming, handsome, cultured. He's not a cannibal, but <clears throat> I think I think the Hannibal, because Hannibal Lecter was on my original list. And then I thought about, again, and we talked about this during the action movie heroes. I thought about the further iterations of him. And... For me, it was like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, which is why I ended up taking him off my list. Rudy, why did you have him on your list? I did you talk about a villain that is, uh, I guess you would say, calm. Like you were, he's never. You never get like, uh, um, initially, you never get like the menacing uh, figure. Like I mean, Anthony Hopkins. Well, he did. A, he did eat someone's face off. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. And I think that's the thing because he seems he's he's a little guy. He's not intimidating. He's not muscular. He doesn't look like a crazy person. And then he gets close to you, and then bam, he eats your face off. That's how that happened. I'm sure. But I think that like the way that he, I mean, he just he he's creepy and calm at the same time. That line. Tell me about the lambs, Clarice. That whole thing that just gives you chills. And and when he describes eating someone, that's and and has a smile, a smirk. He's calm about it. He doesn't lose his cool. That is that quintessential villain right there. Okay, fair arguments. Jeremy, you want to weigh in on Hannibal Lecter? Hannibal Lecter was a, uh, was on my list as well for a while, and. Uh, the only reason he really didn't make the list is I figured everybody else would have him, so I wanted to try and throw some different options out there. But I think there's no question that Hannibal Lecter is one of the, if not the most, iconic movie villain of the last 30 years. Um, and he really, like shows like The Blacklist, and other, they all exist because of Hannibal Lecter, the whole idea of the creepy serial killer slash murderer who helps the hero uh, and who's very smart and cultured. You know, up until then, you weren't really seeing serial killer characters like that. They're always crazy in straight jackets. And the idea that he was insane, but he was smarter than everyone else in the room was totally different, uh, at least as far as I can remember. So I think, yeah, there's really no question. I'd have to agree with having Lecter's place on Mount Rushmore. Okay. so And somewhat based off of uh, Ted Bundy. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. So I would agree also that his Photoshop would look amazing on a Mount Rushmore with the mask. I think that's Absolutely. that's that's legit. Yes. Right, let's talk about um, Annie Wilkes from Misery, who I'm not super familiar with. Rudy, I want to ask you because initially when you when you mentioned her, you forgot her name. So that makes me wonder why is she worthy of being on Mount Rushmore? Um, one word, hobbling. So, um. In the movie, I remember as a kid watching this, uh, I think it was like during the weekend when like HBO was free or something. They caught a preview and they show all these movies. And I remember like watching it. It wasn't even my style. I wasn't, I'm not even into movies like that as a kid, but I remember watching it. And are a lot of, of kids course, into movies like that? Uh, I'm sure probably there are some <laughs> out there. They're like, they some. love those. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. That's it. Do those hey. movies come on? Do those movies come on after reading rainbow? A lot of the time. <laughs> like I said, it's at, it's, it's the free preview of HBO. So you're only going to be like, that's one to grow on. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, Hey, come on. So the, um, it, it, the, the character evolves because it's like this character is trying to help someone in distress. Uh, you know, James Conn's character trying to help him. He's injured, nurses him back to health. And then you start to see this psychotic side of this, uh, this super fan. And as uh, James Conn tries to get away, it, she introduces, she's like, t- teaches him about hobbling. And it's the one thing that stuck out in my mind where she puts the boards between his ankles and she hits the other side with a sledgehammer and they show it. It It's the one thing that I remember as a kid having to like, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the room right now. Cause that was too much for me to watch. It made me hold my ankles. She was sadistic and it was, you, wow, it was what a I'm, great, what a great pull quote. It made me hold my ankles. Go on. So that's, I mean, that's what I, when I think of a villain, uh, that's why I'm thinking of Annie. And yes, I I forgot because I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't matter what character Kathy Bates plays from here on out. I see Annie in misery forever and always. All right. Jeremy, you had her also. Care to Mm -hmm. elaborate? Yeah, she's just a terrifying character because she's not evil. She's just completely nuts and wrapped up in her own world, in her own obsession with this character and with uh, with the Misery Chastain character and with Paul Sheldon, the author who created her. And it's like you you sympathize with her in some ways. You're like, this poor woman is bonkers. But she's also so sadistic and so frightening and so twisted that – you know, you're fright, you're terrified of her at the same time. So it's, uh, you know, you it's, it's like any great villain. You're captivated every time she's on the screen, every monologue she has, every line of dialogue, everything. And, and, uh, the way she also continually gets the best of, uh, James Conn throughout, you know, and, and, and like how she has, um, for those of you who remember the movie, he sneaks out of his room and knocks the penguin off the desk. And then she puts it back. He puts it back. And then she notices that it always faces, north or west i can't read the direction but she's like the penguin in my study always faces north i know you're out of your room and it's just like oh god she's just she's got him right where she wants him and there's literally almost no hope for him and it's just by sheer force of will that he's able to escape um do you think that she would be the type of woman to go to a store and demand to speak to the manager was she like the og karen i think so yes definitely but uh 
She would probably hobble the manager. And then hobble the manager? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Okay, so Annie Wilkes. And then the other one that we had doubles of, Alonzo Harris from Training Day. Now, Rudy, I when I picked this one, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be – like I can make such a case for this one. This is going to be the one that people are like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. But clearly you did not. So go on. That's that's why we're connected in such the special know, way. I know, man. <laughs> I mean, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Come on, that is the the arc of, to watch Alonzo from the beginning of the movie to the end and his fall. And whereas you know, Spro was like, you know, the villain succeeds. That's his definition of a villain. Which, yeah, totally, absolutely. But this villain, while he didn't succeed in the end, his fall was epic like he had in control of everything and then he lost control it was he it i mean i'm gonna let you wax poetic a little bit more about it because i've already talked a little bit a little bit more about my villains but he just watching training day it was gritty i I felt like i knew alonzo i feel like i grew up with alonzo's and it was just a, a masterful performance so were you Ethan Hawke? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. No, I was kind of like right. the guy. I was like the Mexican guys at the table <laughs> with the tattoos. <laughs> um, so for me, the beauty of the Alonzo Harris character is is in the rewatch of the movie because you go into the movie, you know he's the bad guy. You get through the movie, you realize he gets his comeuppance. You watch the movie again. And there are these little subtle parts of the movie that you realize prove his genius. Like there's a part that's a complete throwaway where he's on the phone um, and he says something to the extent of make sure that bathtub's clean. And you're just like, what, what does that even mean? Fast forward to the end of the movie when the Mexican guys try to kill Ethan Hawke in the bathtub and you realize that everything he's done throughout the movie has been plan upon plan upon plan, and it's all brilliant. Now, he wasn't counting on Ethan Hawke um, surviving any of that, but the fact that he was able to arrange it so that, you know, had that monkey wrench not been thrown in, he was able to avoid execution by, you know, assembling that team, bribing the the judges and the DA, um killing the guy in the house and, and, and finding the million dollars under the floor. All that stuff was just so carefully and meticulously planned. And he never lost his cool the whole time until the end. I think that his arc, like you said, he, he got what was coming to him. And if we're going to end up, um, if we're going to end up agreeing that the villain has to win, then he, he wouldn't make Mount Rushmore. But I think that, that, Everything he does as a villain is debatably perfect. Anybody else want to weigh in? I'll be honest. I've only seen Training Day a handful of times and not in a long time. But uh, that was the role that won Denzel Washington, the Oscar for Best Actor. Um, and kind of elevated him. I mean, he was already a big star by that point uh, from such films as Ricochet uh, and, uh, vir- and Virtuosity. <laughs> but... But, you know, he was already a huge star by that point, but that, that like, took him to that next level. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I can't really comment on Training Day, but I also can't really dispute its place in uh, 
in history, cinematic history. Okay, so let's get into some of the some of the outliers. So, um, so Rudy, we talked about two of yours already. Who were the other two? Um, actually, you talked about three of mine. The last. Oh, one. that's right. That's right. We did. Who was the last um, one? The last one was Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid. Okay, and now I can only assume that the reason you put him on the list, or at least considered him for the list, is because Cobra Kai is the best show of the last 10 years. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so tell us really about is. Johnny Lawrence. Why well, not John Kreese? Why Johnny Lawrence? Well, because I couldn't relate to John Kreese as the kid watching The Karate Kid. Like, okay. I could, I could relate. Yeah, I knew he was the bad guy, but like... Johnny Lawrence was the uh, the instrument of of you know his his will of Crease's will. He he was the he was the popular kid. He knew karate. He he could get the girls like and you know, it, no it was mercy. A, it was his senior year. Everything was looking up for him. I forget you the know, exact quote. Tomorrow I'm a senior. I got one year to make it all work. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And and so like that was more relatable to me as a kid, and I I realized like it was one of the like one of the the initial things in my childhood where it was a clear bad guy versus good guy, you know the bad guy in black, the good guy in white, you know you're rooting for the good guy because you hate the bad guy so much, and that was Johnny Lawrence. Okay, so his so are you taking into account his? Um, I guess his somewhat of a redemption arc on Cobra Kai. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, that seems, that seems kind of, that seems kind of against the rules because he still exists as a character on Cobra Kai. And while he is undisputably a dick, most of the times he has like, for the most part, I feel without spoiling it too much, he's shown signs of redemption. Compassion? Yeah. We'll see. That's no, the thing. I, didn't say, I, didn't say, I didn't say compassion. I said redemption. Well, I mean, it's it's redemption light. Let's not let's not. I mean, he's still a he's still a dickhead. He's still he, he's still uh, he's not like a role model. Clearly, he's still as a you badass can, though, Rudy. He's still a badass, right? He's not a <laughs> loser. He, he's not a loser, and he's not a pussy. He's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you make a good point, um, Spro. Let's talk about yours. So, for the record, the one that I thought you were going to pick especially the way you set it up was John Doe from seven, but close to that. He's on my long list. Okay. He was on my long list too. So that's why I thought you might go there close to that. You picked Kaiser Soze from uh, usual suspects. So tell us about that pick. I feel like on a side note, I feel like we should have suspected something with Kevin Spacey. Cause as I was going through the human villain list, I also had Frank Underwood on mine for a little bit, but he wasn't a movie villain. I was like, man, Kevin Spacey plays a really good bad guy. Well, that's because he's probably should have realized that a, he was a, that's because he's a piece of shit, a really bad guy, <laughs> right? Um, that's, he was the villain in I, he was in the villain in uh, a Bug's Life, also, or was it Ants? No, was it, it was Bugs, no, it was, it was a Bug's, Bugs Life. Life. Yeah, it was Bug's Life. Okay, um, thanks for that confirmation. Yeah, no. Jeremy, Jeremy's just like, yeah, yeah, it was a Bug's Life. Yeah, it was Bug's Life. <laughs> 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 All right, so bro, go on. Um, no, so Kaiser Sose, the same way that you guys were talking about Alonzo Harris, he is a mastermind and he puts everything together. And not only does he put everything together um, exactly how he wants to, he also dangles carrots in front of the cops the entire movie, 
gets away with that at the end. The reason why I was weaning back and forth with him was the whole his whole objective for the usual suspects was to pin everything on. Ooh, I almost said Peter Gabriel. Gabriel Burns' character. <laughs> In your um, four eyes. <laughs> which he does for successfully probably about maybe five minutes until Chaz Palminetri figures it out and runs out after him. What's the, the thing? What's the man's name again? Chaz Palminetri. One more time. Or Palminteri. There we go. Chaz Palminteri. <laughs> ding, ding. I met him once. <laughs> um, the, uh, Are you sure? Uh, I did when he was promoting his Bronx Tale um, play. But the, so not only does Kaiser so say do everything that he does in the main plot line of the usual suspects, but he has this whole backstory, maybe made up, maybe not, but um, of a gang coming to kill his wife and children, uh, not even, or holding them hostage. And instead of letting them hold them hostage, he kills his wife and children in front of them to show how ruthless he could be. And then he kills everybody and their families. Like he is a ruthless son of a gun and in the end walks away without a limp. I think it's just, it's a fantastic villain. Well, spoiler alert, a little bit too late, but um, you make all good points. Now, Jeremy, this one that you mentioned, um, and I believe you alluded to the controversy, and I'm not sure, I want to hear your explanation for Darth Vader as a human movie villain. Okay, well, quite simply, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader is still Anakin Skywalker inside a suit that keeps him alive, but he is still human. Um, He is, you know, he has um, cybernetic components that keep him alive but but at the core you know there's nothing about him that that has taken away his humanity his mind and everything about him is still human so underneath all of that darth vader is still a human being and one of the greatest movie villains ever so so now are we talking about anakin skywalker or are we talking about darth vader well i would say darth vader because Anakin himself is never really a villain until uh, he becomes Darth Vader in, although, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, he is Darth Vader for, you know, a good third of the movie without being in the suit because he has yet to actually uh, have that fateful duel with Obi-Wan Kenobi and end up in the lava and so on and so forth. Uh, But he takes the name of Darth Vader prior to that. So, you know, but I would say that the character of Darth Vader, the persona, is the villainous side, and Anakin is the is the good side. But, so, so Rudy and because Spro- I, I have my opinion about this, Rudy and Spro, weigh in on whether or not you think Darth Vader qualifies as human. Oh man, I honestly, I feel like I don't. Uh, I want to say yes, but. In my heart, I want to say yes, but my head is like, there's something uh, magical about like Jedi's and the Force that kind of eliminate them from being human. I, and and in the Star Wars realm, like I when I associate human, I think of like uh, Han Solo, like that's. Uh, but uh, I, I he's iconic just- though. Because Star Wars, the uh, the prequels established that the Force is generated by midi chlorians, which are life forms that exist 
in every living thing and generate the force. And it's only the amount of midichlorians that you have or don't have that determine your force sensitivity. So theoretically, everyone has the ability or the, the, um, the capabilities that Darth Vader has, just not to the same level. But it's not a superpower. It's not a cosmic power or some kind of super, supernatural thing. It's just a, um, it's a genetic thing. He is genetically superior, but not uh, superhuman or not um, non-human. Spro, what do you think? I'm I, I'm I'm torn on this one. I it's yeah, there it's it's a gray area for sure. I would say only because, and really, I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find like my inner villain to just not care, but the yeah, it's it's tough because we. I feel like the parameters were like no supervillains, right? Because we, the whole thing was about human and humanity, like with the villains and the, and the movie tales, because like Killmonger would have made my list as a really great villain from Black Panther. And I don't think he had any special abilities either. Well, he did. He got them when he drank the, um, I forget what it was called. Oh, yeah, so he became superhuman. My, my issue with Darth Vader is again, that, all the movie villains that we've described so far, save for Darth Vader, exist in the Earth universe. Mm. And I suppose that wasn't specified, but I think I, I thought more or less it was implied that that the that like like to be a human movie villain you had to exist with other humans, exclusively with other humans. Mm. So I I'm not saying yes or no for Darth Vader right now. I'm just saying that, like Spro said, it's 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 definitely a gray area. Because if we were just to say greatest villains of all time, sure, throw them up there. But human villains, it's that it's that specificity that we have here on the Rushmore podcast. Right. That's 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 gonna that's gonna either check or uncheck his box. Right. I think. Well, that's why I threw him out there because. I agree. Like I tried to keep it to human beings who exist, you know, with the exception obviously of Bert from aliens of humans who exist in a modern and, and relatable world. But I really felt like Darth Vader was one that would provoke conversation because the parameters were human movie villains and, and he is all, he is all three. So he's human. So, he's in you're, movies and so he's you're, you're in it for the discourse. That's why you're here, right? You're in it for the. Yes. That like, was, is, that was is, why. I th- yeah. You're trying to elevate this to like Algonquin round table <laughs> exactly. status. Exactly. Of podcasts. Uh, yes. That's respectable. So you right. mentioned, um, you mentioned Paul Reiser's character from alien. Tell us about, um, tell us about why you chose him. I think he's a, an underrated villain. Because so much, it's funny because when you know, Aliens is obviously and rightfully so an iconic movie. But when you think of Aliens, you think of Sigourney Weaver, and that's really. And then you think of the Alien Queen, Sigourney Weaver, the first lady of the Mount Rushmore podcast. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. exactly right, and deservedly so. But um, he is a great antagonist, and he's kind of really the the quintessential corporate sleazeball character. Um, that, you know, you see a lot in movies, but I feel like, you know, I, I feel like maybe if I'm remembering right before then, it, it wasn't a stereotype that was often played up as much. 
as then like you know you had your Ellis's from uh, Die Hard, which I feel like is cut kind of from a similar cloth. Um, you know those those types of guys, and I felt like uh, his character just really kind of gave it. You know there was you know the, the aliens were obviously the antagonist, but he was almost kind of a worse antagonist because he was in it for the bottom line for for the uh, company's investment. And uh, he has that great line, you know, it, it was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. You know, so, it's just... so so you said two things that stuck out to me. Number one was corporate sleazebag. Number two was talking about the alien queen. If, if and this is, of course, it's nothing personal. It's never anything personal. But if I was going to cut one right out of the gate, I would cut him because... I think regardless of his role in the plot, the aliens are the villains in that movie, not Paul Reiser. And the corporate sleazebag character, while I agree he was fantastic at it, I think has been done better. Which leads me to one of my picks, Bill Lumberg. What's happening? (laughs) I think that everyone here speaking on this podcast at one point has interacted with, be it for a moment, be it for several years, has interacted with a Bill Lumberg. That's what's brilliant about that character. He's not an over-the-top villain. If anything, his 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 um, his shittiness comes in his subtlety. But he's such an enduring, lasting stereotype of that corporate middle management dipshit that. He represents so much real life villainy, and that's why I put him on my list. What do you guys think? Hard to argue with Lumberg. I mean, hard to argue with Office Space in general. I mean, so much of that is now just in, in you know ingrained in uh, the culture. But uh, Lumberg, I mean, you know, everyone does the Lumberg voice. Anyone who works in, a, in an office building, although I will say, maybe Dunder Mifflin is kind of supplanted office space you know um i can't remember the company they worked for inatech wasn't it mm-hmm. um, inatech right it's kind of as as being like the now the new soulless corporate workplace but uh lumberg is like the classic just douchebag boss that uh, and everyone has had a lumberg in their life at one time see that's to me that's why he's such a good villain because he's he's absolutely 100% relatable and no one does not relate to the real version of him with anything but utter contempt. Like that's a good villain. Rudy Spro, what do you guys think? I think I, that's, I did not see that one coming. I'm going to be honest. And the second you mentioned it, I went, Oh yeah. Cause you hate him. And, and it's uh, as simple as that. Cause you hate yeah. him. <laughs> and um, I could be convinced. I think you, you were making a strong case uh, for uh, bill on, on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Spro. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I kind of want to see how it all shakes out, like what we're choosing between at the end to see where Bill falls in line. But you definitely have a good point that he is the epitome of douchebag bosses. Okay. But does that make him a villain? Like a true hardcore human movie villain? See, that's the reason. I don't know. That's the reason I picked him because he's not villain is, you know, villain has different definitions. And I think that when we, initially landed on this topic we were all sort of thinking of like over the top characters you know like um hannibal lecter and like darth vader or whatever 
But this, I think, and, and like I just said, I think his brilliance is in his subtlety and just the painful existence of millions of his counterparts in the real world. I mean, if this was like a robot chicken battle royale, like I, I don't think he would last very long against Annie Wilkes. But I, I like the, I like the discourse. See, that would be that would be a great deleted scene if Annie Wilkes were to hobble Bill Lumberg. That would be great. <laughs> so, Spro, you mentioned. I think we've talked about all of yours except for Basic Instinct. Is that right, or did we miss? Yeah, I also have a uh, Leonard from Memento. Okay, so let's go, Ked, and 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 dissect those real quick. Okay, well, Leonard from Memento, he's the the star. He's the lead actor. He's played by Guy Pierce. You follow him for the entire movie. He's your hero for the entire movie. And the way that the movie is edited, written, shot, directed, it's one of Christopher Nolan, I think still one of his finest works. Um, it was the first movie in the 2000s to be recognized by the Library of Congress to be preserved for history. Um you follow him for the entire movie and you root for him. And in the end, you find out he's actually a villain, that he's framing everybody for his wife's murder so that he can murder them. I mean, spo- spoiler throughout this whole episode because all my villains make it out. But he kills uh, Joe Joey Pants. He co- kills Joe Pantaleone um, at the very end, who's completely innocent, just trying to help him out. And you walk away from the theater not really understanding if he was a bad guy or if you should still root for him the second time you watch the movie. And the second time you watch the movie, you still root for him. And then you're surprised at the end, like, wait, no, son of a gun. He's the bad guy. He did it like, again. I, I know, he just keeps every time I watch this movie, he does the same thing at the end. So that's why I think he's one of the greatest villains is because he has created himself to be a villain and the way that Nolan presents him and the way that Guy Pierce plays him and, you know, Carrie Ann Moss supports him. Um, it's just one of those very blurred lines of hero slash villain where he is actually both in the movie. So I'm not super familiar with Memento, but I mean, that just hearing that makes me want to revisit it. And then Basic Instinct. Tell us about that one. Uh, Catherine Tremell made me a man. Is that, right. is, that just, is that just 15 year old Spro talking? Is that is that why she's on the no. no, there's so many reasons why I like Basic Instinct. One, Joe Esther has the writer of it, is from Cleveland, so very Cleveland proud. But the real reason is because Catherine Tremell is a writer um, who kills people based off of how she wrote the murders in her published novels, using the published novels as her alibi. She's completely writing her future murders uh, for everybody to read and still enacting those future murders while framing Gene Chipplehorn. She is just probably one of the greatest femme fatale masterminds of cinematic history, played wonderfully by a stone cold Sharon Stone. Um, ooh, that was a good play on words. It was, it was. <laughs> um so, and the way that she murders them is completely naked, riding them with a knight and slashing with an ice pick, which was copied by David Fincher for his latest movie, Gone Girl, with uh, Rosamund Pike and Neil Patrick Harris. Um, so, there is iconic imagery in Basic Instinct. Obviously, everybody knows about the interrogation scene. 
Um, I love her lines that she has in there. Like, what are you going to do? Arrest me for smoking. Um, I liked fucking him. Like, have you ever fucked on cocaine? Like all of her lines. It was the fuck at the center. Like <laughs> she is just a charming lady. Three words then to, to offer up some more discussion about her. Uh, basic instinct two. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. She was still hot. <laughs> I mean, that, that, wasn't, was, that wasn't exactly a, a return to form for the original gravitas of the first one, which is no. But I don't think it had anything to do with Catherine Schemeller or a Sharon Stoner character. I think what they realized that they didn't have with Basic Instinct Two was Michael Douglas and the intrigue of whether or not she was a bad guy. They started Basic Instinct Two, and you already knew she was a bad guy because of the cliffhanger end of Basic Instinct One. So that's kind of where um, I think Basic Instinct Two fell off was just uh there was no more will she or won't she you knew she was you knew what was going to happen um and the writing sucked fair it enough. wasn't by a cleveland guy oh that must all right that's fair now that was it that was it right there <laughs> okay so there are three more we haven't discussed by my count jeremy tell us about hans gruber who for the record was on my short list i can't believe no one else had this that's what shocked me because hans gruber to me is the template for almost every single movie villain that has followed since 1988. I mean, before then, villains were drug dealers and mob bosses and or, you know, Bond villains over the top with volcanoes and, you know, world dominating plans. And, you know, Alan Rickman in one role changed all of that. And then for years, I mean, there were so many movies where it was clear that they were trying to have another Hans Gruber on their hands uh, by making the villain educated and smart and um, thoughtful and uh, a step ahead of the hero and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and really the dynamic of that blue collar versus white collar um, you saw that play out in so many other movies. Um, And yeah, it was all, it all started there. And uh, I feel like all the, the other diehard movies tried to chase that to the point that they actually cast Jeremy Irons as his brother in the third movie, because they were, they were so desperate to have that, that dynamic again. Hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, Hans Gruber was, you know, the prototype villain for the last 30 years. Uh, anytime you have an action movie still to this day, it's that type of character. You know, they're not, it's not, you know, a thug or a drug dealer or, you know, something like that. it's always somebody who's educated, smart, wears a suit, you know, is uh, knowledgeable. Uh, they, he'll often quote literature or Shakespeare or something, you know. It's like, that. Uh, you know, all of that can be traced directly back to Hans Gruber. So why didn't you go for Timothy Oliphant in Die Hard 4? It's really, really close. I have right. to it was a <laughs> all photo right. finish. But all right. And Alan Rickman just nudged him out maybe because of Galaxy Quest, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Love, so, by the way. so the last two that we haven't discussed were mine. The Joker for me is an obvious one. I think even going back to the beginning of this show, he checks all the boxes. He won because he 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 broke the Batman to the point where the Batman was ready to turn over his mantle uh, and his role in Gotham City to Harvey Dent, who the Batman himself basically endorsed as like the white knight, the best human being that Gotham City has to offer. And the Joker broke him. 
And he broke him in such a way that it was beyond mean-spirited. It was calculating. It was tragic. And he did, for the most part, everything he said he was going to do, despite Batman's efforts. Um, Even when he got captured by Commissioner Gordon, who thought he was, you know, pulling a ruse, being undercover, that was all part of the plan, to, to, to borrow a quote from the movie. And I think... If we're talking about movies that um, have created icons, I don't know, maybe Darth Vader, but I don't know that there's a bigger icon on the list in terms of pop culture and just the effect that it had and the the hype that it had and just sort of the force of nature that it was um, other than the Joker character. And the second one, uh, Max Cady from Cape Fear, Robert De Niro, and the reason I picked this one was because he, I, I don't know that we've talked about any villains so far, and I'm looking over the list. I don't see anyone on here other than perhaps Hans Gruber sort of tangentially. I don't see anyone on here who's come after someone's family. Correct me if I'm wrong. Kaiser Sose goes after families. Does he go after families? Does he go after families specifically for revenge after plotting for fourteen years? Oh yeah, like he goes after girlfriends, he kills them all. Well, he threatens also to go after all the main characters' families. That one scene where Pete Postlewaite is breaking down all the terrible things that are going to happen to each one of their family members if they don't comply, which is very chilling. Mm -hmm. It's like you, your brother, you know, and whatever. Okay, he rattles off. (laughs) All these other family members who can have horrible things happen to them. So, Jeremy, can you do some more Pete Postlewaite for us before we move on? If we get into the, maybe we'll talk about the Lost World. I can try and, uh, you know. You know <laughs> I want to hunt a male, a buck. My yes. reasons are my own. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> Max Cady, again, though, is he visually he's terrifying. And I think that the sadism he has, like when he goes after Nick Nolte's um, colleague, when he beats up the guys who've been hired to, to, to beat him up, his viciousness and his, again, his, his brilliance isn't the like Victorian brilliance that you're talking about with like, um, uh, Rudy, who did you mean? Oh, uh, Hannibal Lecter. It's, it's more of like a, it's more of like a blue collar brilliance that, he's got an answer for everything Nick Nolte and his hired goons can throw at him. And I just think the fact that he is beyond obsessed and rightly not, not, not in his actions, but in his motivations, rightly so um, set out for vengeance because Nick Nolte was supposed to represent him as a lawyer and Nick Nolte did not under the under the guidelines of the law. So while of course I think anyone in that universe would be glad that Max Cady was put in jail, he has a bone to pick with Nick Nolte for sort of, you know, being a shitty lawyer. Thoughts. I'm gonna give you some love. I think this is actually your strongest choice out of your four because uh, as far as this villain goes, I feel like I would tell people to go watch Cape Fear, not because of Nick Nolte, not because of Jessica Lang. maybe give Juliette Lewis a little love, but mainly because of how terrifying Robert De Niro is in this role. Cape Fear is Max's movie 
you know, and there's nothing really to like about the character. You just can't take your eyes off of him when he's on the screen. So I, I think this is your strongest pick out of your four. Well, thanks, man. Okay, hold up. I'm going to let my dogs out real quick. Pause for like two minutes. I'll be right back. Don't, you don't have to pause it, but I'll be right back. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I so I'm gonna something amazing. I guess. <laughs> I I had uh, my honorable mentions were uh, Anton from No Country for No Country for Old Men. Yep, I had it. I thought somebody. I just couldn't pronounce his last name. Is it Sugar? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then that's why um, I took him off at the last second. I was like, I don't know how to pronounce this. I had a, uh, I don't even remember his name because uh, I just started writing Christoph Waltz from Inglorious Bastards. I had him. Oh, Hans Landa. Um, Hans, great, yeah. yeah, he was on my short list too. He's really good. That's a that, Dan. That was a good choice. Yeah, and I I went with my heart. The la- the Johnny Lawrence was a heart pick. I'm going to be honest. Like it was, <laughs> it was uh, Johnny so, Lawrence was on my list too. I, I it was on my short list. And, I was you know, I w- yeah. I you like when we when we went over the title at the end of the last uh, uh, episode. I I like wrote down four immediately. I was like, oh, lock, got it. And then like. I was like, I don't need to change. This is perfect. And the more I thought about it, I got more excited thinking about more bad guys. I completely forgot about Max and Cape Fear. Completely forgot yeah. about De Niro. So I, I came to this table being like, I don't like I'm not gonna fight very hard. You know, like I was like, these are it, but I'm pretty sure everybody's gonna throw something out that I'm like, yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally can see that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Yeah, they're all good picks. Okay, so I'm back. Okay, so I, did you guys talk about stuff like no, as if it could be used? No, or, I was gonna say maybe Biff Tannen and John. Okay, well we'll save it. So what did I just say before I left? Oh, you complimented me on Max Katie. Okay, so let's bring it back. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so we've discussed. Everybody's got their roster out. We've all made arguments. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna spin the wheel again. Whoever it lands on, you have to cut one from your own list. Okay. And then we're going to go all the way down, do that for one round. Sound good? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so get your, get your, yeah, yeah. So find out who, um, who your least favorites are. Get ready to throw one out. All right, Rudy, you first. Uh, Burke from Aliens. No, your own list, dummy. No. Wow. Jesus. No. no. <laughs> so anger. Well, we're talking about villains. We're talking about channeling my yeah. villain. Channeling my he villain. Was, he was right? just waiting for that. <laughs> this is all that revenge. Hey, that wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why am I the bad guy? Did you hear Did you hear the way he went after you, Jeremy? I know. No, I'm saying. It's like out of control. Like, I mean, I mean, you didn't hear the subtext. Carter from Aliens. What a stupid fucking pick. You didn't hear the... <laughs> All right, Rudy, you're okay. Right, right. that when you okay. have to make the final choice. Right, that. I will remove. Um, I will remove. God, this is going to hurt me. I'm going with my uh, Kathy. Uh, uh, I'm removing Annie from uh, Kathy Bates from Misery. All right, Annie from Misery gone from Rudy's list. All right, next up on my um, order here, Spro. Who would you take off from your list? 
Well, I, you know, I'm going to make an easy pick, and I'm just going to remove Hannibal Lecter because he's still on Rudy's. So ah, strategy. I like it. I like it. Okay, that's smart. Okay, Jeremy, who would you remove? Well, I was going to remove Burke from Aliens, <laughs> but <laughs> fuck that. Now you should leave him on just to <laughs> spite Rudy. Just going to leave him on. Um, all right, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take Darth Vader out of the running because I I think that I have a feeling that's gonna be one of those that I'm gonna have to be fighting for at the end, and it's just you know, I feel gonna... like I, I feel like Darth Vader is gonna be one of those where it's like because you've taken him out of the running, he's not gonna be on the final four, and I feel like it's gonna be one of those that like we're gonna have um. I feel like there's a term for it. It's not survivor's remorse, but like, did we make a bad call? Was that the right move? Is Darth Vader really, is, is Darth Vader human? I mean, did we, did we do right by him? So, all right. Is he human or is he dancer? Is he human or is he dancer? (laughs) All right. So for my list, I'm going to take off Alonzo Harris partially because he's also on Rudy's list, but also because I think it seems important that the villain to some degree win. And while his plan and his plotting was amazing and, and genius and charismatic and captivating in the end, he got shot about a billion times in front of his, um, in front of his, uh, Lincoln. So alonzo has gone now for this next one. Um, I'm going to spin the wheel again. Whoever it lands on is going to cut somebody from somebody else's list. Okay, so somebody else's list. So Rudy, this is your time to shine. All right, man. Here we go. Okay. All right, ready? Here we go. Let me spin. Okay, it landed on me. All right. So for this one, I'm going to cut. Let's see. I'm going to cut. Rudy, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut Johnny Lawrence because you son oh. of a bitch. I'm sorry because number, oh. number number one, number one, he's he, and this is a weird thing because he exists outside of the movie now. He exists on the TV show, which I cannot what? put over enough. It's phenomenal. But when was the last time we saw Johnny Lawrence in the movies? Who remembers? He was being Karate choked by uh, Karate Priest Two. He was being choked out and embarrassed by John Kreese. He's a child. He was, he was, he was a 17 year old. He was how, being how choked that- out and embarrassed by John Kreese in the middle of a parking lot. And he, he, he all but cried over his plastic yeah. trophy being broken. Oh, yeah. 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 How dare that 17 year old child get choked out by a grown adult war vet? How dare he? <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that is that, yes, he was bad. But I don't think he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rudy. Do you want to take a lap? Do you want to get up and walk around for a minute? I'm already pacing. I'm all already right. pacing. Jeremy, you're next. You have to cut somebody off of somebody else's list. Oh, man, this is hard. Um, hmm. This is challenging. Um. I guess I guess I'd have to say, um, Guy Pierce from Memento. I would have to Leonard go for me. from Memento. Leonard, Leonard Why? From Memento. Because I I think that he's a great 
he's a great villain. Uh, although I'll be honest, I, I, I didn't love Memento. It, it kind of turned me off of Christopher Nolan for a while until I saw Batman Begins. And now I want to go back and, and watch it again. And, and Spro's endorsement of it makes me want to watch it again. But I think in terms of like villains that have stayed the test of time, Mount Rushmore is like villains who, who will last forever in the, in the consciousness of fans. And I don't know if Memento, even Memento as a movie, Christopher Nolan is now, you know, with not just the Dark Knight movies, but also Inception and um, Dunkirk and, you know, The Prestige has had made so many other movies that I think had even bigger impact that I would almost argue that Memento, I don't know if, it, if it's retained its uh, status in the public consciousness in the same way. Okay, fair enough. Spro, your turn. Um. Well, I just want to say, like, I'm fine with that. I understand where Jeremy is coming from. See, that's uh, that's, a ma- that's a mature reaction to, you know to this. To this to... <laughs> I heard that. Under- what on that? No, your mic picked your mic picked up whatever you were muttering muttering under your breath, Rudy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like I when I was coming to when I was coming to the plate, you know, I just said that uh, I had four that I could argue for. But in the same instance, I knew everybody was going to bring four good picks. And so I was like, I'm not going to fight too hard for most of them, but I'm going to put up a good argument. And if one of our listeners is like, I need to go check out Memento, I feel like a winner. Great. But I am going to uh, paint myself as even more of a hater of this. (laughs) I'm not even a hater of this movie. I just don't think it's as, um, uh, well, I'm just going to say it. I'm going after uh, Hans Gruber oh, from Die Hard. No. Wow. Oh, oh, no. I still have remorse that I didn't fight the John McClane pick so much in the episode one because I would just, I would laugh if I saw John McClane, another John McClane movie coming out. Now, Hans Gruber as an ultimate villain, it's been done in, um, in every video game, too. He is not that powerful when all of his goons go away. When John McClane takes care of all his little bad guys and all his little baddies uh, and meets Hans Gruber at the top of the rooftop, you don't really think that Hans Gruber is going to win. And then John McClane drops him off the rooftop. That's that's why I went after that hmm. villain. Wow. Nice. He is the sum of his parts, but he's not like a great... I could say that, you know, yeah, he is. he's one of the first ones, but was he one of the best ones? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, wow. Jeremy. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna take a break and take a deep breath and <laughs> some guided meditation, you're welcome to. Oh, that's all right. I'll get, I'll get by somehow. Maybe I should have gone with Timothy Olyphant from <laughs> Live Free or Die Hard. Maybe he would have. Or uh, what was who was the the nude c- Colonel in the Die Hard Two? <laughs> was it William Sadler? I don't remember. Wasn't the, that how he was billed? Nude yeah, Colonel Stewart. Yeah, nude the Colonel. Nude Colonel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Rudy. Um, your turn, and I, I'm 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 wincing because I feel the vengeance in your voice. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, <laughs> have we gotten rid of Bert yet from Aliens? No, he's still there. Oh, get him out of here! What is that about? <laughs> All right, All right. Oh, Car- my, list, my list is just getting gone. decimated. I okay, my, I think that's that's my list. No, you've still got, uh, still got Annie. you still have Annie um, Annie Wilkes from Misery, Rudy. You still have Alonzo and Hannibal Lecter. Spro, 
you still have Kaiser Soze and um, uh, what's her name from Basic Instinct, Catherine. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Tremel. Tremel, that's right. I was going to say Treme. What was Treme? Treme was that show on HBO. Never mind. Catherine Tremel. And I've got Joker, Max Cady, and Bill Lumberg. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. Now, <clears throat> we can go through and we can do another round of cuts, and that will give us our final four. Or we can go through and do a round of basically creating the mountain. What do you guys think we should do? Can I, can I question something? Sure, you can always question um, something. This is this is this is this is an open discussion. We're all friends here for now. We didn't we, we didn't really discuss it, but I want to open up the discussion for the Joker because is he a supervillain? I know he's like a regular human, but. Like I go back to the Killmonger thing. Like, is he? Do we consider it a human pick or a supervillain? Well, pick? I'm talking. If we do a supervillain episode, so, like so, he's he's on it. Okay, so I'm talking specifically, and I'm pretty sure I said this at the beginning. The Joker from the Dark Knight, so the Heath Ledger Joker. To my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, he had absolutely no superpowers in that movie. Nor did anyone, I don't think, just like gadgets and technology. Am I wrong? No, no, no you're any Powers that I can think of. Okay, so you know he's still he could still be on the chopping block, but um, I and I and I I considered that too. I was like, you know, this has to be very very specific which Joker we're talking about because even the Jack Nicholson Joker, you could argue like he fell in the vat of acid and turned him crazy. Like that's. I, I, technically, he's a human, but I suppose you could make an argument that that's more of a supervillain. Whereas right. the Joker, to me, I just thought I, I thought was as human as a villain, you know, could be. Cool. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that question out there. All right, I see what you're trying to do. I get it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, okay, so what do you guys think? Do you want to go through and just pick the Mount Rushmore, and we can say that you have to pick from someone else's list or do you want to go through and just cut one more time? We seem to have fun doing that. <laughs> oh God, let's cut. Well, I don't know. That- <laughs> Rudy votes for cut. Rudy's a bastard. Rudy votes for <laughs> Jeremy. What do you say? I would have voted for just trying to start building the mountain because I think we're down to a lot of these choices. I think are going to, you know, are that are going to make it through to the end. Yeah, so, I- yeah, I trust Jeremy. Let's build. Build, Spro. <laughs> I just like that Rudy's trying to build a bridge back to Jeremy. We're going to come out of this stronger. We're going to come out of this stronger That's right. and, and, and more united than ever. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull Rudy and go, yeah, I agree with Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's build then. So <clears throat> we're in kind of a unique situation because... So I have three remaining. Spro has two. Rudy has two. Jeremy has one. So if, if well, so technically we'll say that you have to pick from someone else's list, but more than one person can pick from the same person's list. How's that? So okay. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me read the list one more time. Jeremy, you have Annie Wilkes from Misery still remaining. Rudy, you have Alonzo Harris and Hannibal Lecter still remaining. 
Spro, you have Kaiser Sose and Catherine Trammell still remaining. I have Joker, Max Cady, and Bill Lumberg still remaining. So any one of those are fair game to start building our mountain, and you can't pick from your own list. Here we go. Spinning the wheel. Bro, you're the first. Yes. Lay the first brick. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to just go over to my boy Rudy and say Hannibal Lecter. Totally agree. All right. Yeah, should have known. Should have known. Should have known. You guys, yes. there's been collusion from the beginning. I should have <laughs> known. That worked out perfect. You guys are thick as thieves. You guys are. <laughs> All right. So, Spro, that's your pick. Hannibal Lecter. All right. Moving down. Jeremy. Hmm. I'm going to say Joker. All right. Joker. I like that. And we'll discuss these at the end. Um, Rudy, you're up. I am going to say, oh, my gosh. Rudy, can I just say that if, if you could pick the right if you could make the right choice, that would be great. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I see what you're doing there, and I'm going to choose uh, Annie Wilkes from Misery. Ah, oh, you piece of shit. Mm. Annie uh-huh. Wilkes. All right. And if I have to pick someone from somebody else's list, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride. Comparing the Alonzo Harris and the Kaiser Soze characters in terms of scheming, plotting, and planning. Alonzo got wasted at the end. Kaiser Soze won. I'm going to pick Kaiser Soze. So our list, our list, and I'm so bummed that Bill Lumberg didn't make it. Only because, like, uh, well, whatever, you guys, whatever. Anyway, our list. Hannibal Lecter, The Joker. Annie Wilkes and Kaiser Soze. How do we feel about that list? Hmm. <laughs> are we are we are we hoping for a mulligan, like a redo, or what? What? Uh, I really like Max Cady. Yeah, Max Cady and Lumberg both are two that, because I like Lumberg balances out because you've got a lot of scary guys on there now. And Lumberg is a villain of comedy. Well, those are both my picks, so I'm I'm gonna bow out. If you guys want to decide something else, you know, I'm winking and throwing finger guns at you, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push. Oh, man, I look. I'm trying to stay uh, uh, unbiased here, but I really don't want three of MC's characters up on Mount Rushmore. (laughs) For the record, I didn't get any the last episode. I got none. You guys went through my superheroes like a fucking weed whacker, okay? I didn't get anything. You guys laughed at every single one. That's that's a lot of words for wham. Um, So, (laughs) let's... I mean, yeah... Gosh, I the only one out of that list that I would be willing to part with might be Annie Wilkes, but it uh, I'm God not. 
Um, well, Rudy, you guys sorry. also though, Rudy, you <laughs> you forgot that. She, Go ahead, uh, bro. She was a nurse who was killing her patients as well. Like it wasn't just the hobbling of James Conn's character. Like yeah. she was um, really breaking her Hippocratic oath <laughs> by killing patients. Her, yeah, her her Yelp scores would have been terrible. <laughs> So, Rudy, you picked her off of Jeremy's list. Is that correct? Well, Do I remember that? I, I did. And she was on my original list. But like Spro said, everybody came with some strong, some strong choices that I like. I had I had completely forgot about uh, Cape Fear and and uh, De Niro and Cape Fear. Completely forgot. And so, Rudy, if she's your pick, you're welcome to replace her. Uh, and hey, man, can I just say you look really handsome today? <laughs> Thanks. I, I I'm wearing something nice for you. Um, you know, I would I would, uh, you know what? I'm gonna leave it up to to Spro and Jeremy. Go ahead. No, you can't because it's your pick. Damn it, you know, Okay, you know what? <laughs> Thanks, and, and and you know what? Speaking to to what Jeremy was talking about in the consciousness of like society, when you think of bad guys and 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 not bad guys, of villains and and uh. I guess you would say pop culture villains and iconic villains. I'm not sure that she would, you know, be recognizable. People might be like, huh? I'm not sure. Um, People would think, huh? Bobby Boucher's mother. Why? Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll replace her. I'll replace her. With Uh, who? I will replace Annie and Jeremy. I'm so sorry, buddy. I I will replace Annie with um god he's so menacing um let's do uh uh cape fear uh let's do Ma- max and yeah max katie all right yeah. we're gonna replace annie wilkes with max katie so our new list hannibal joker max katie and kaiser soze is everybody cool with those picks yeah i think that feels per- that feels pretty good I still feel like Lumberg has a place, but it's hard to argue with anyone who's up there. Well, I'm not allowed to pick him because he's from my list. So if any one of you guys want to throw somebody off and pick Lumberg, now's the time. If not, I would not disagree that uh, this is a pretty solid list. If if we're going <clears> – <throat> yeah, go ahead, Spro. I'm sorry. Looking at the Handball Lecter, Joker, Max Cady, Kaiser Sose – if we wanted to put Bill Lumberg up there, I just have that gray question in my heart about Joker. And I would replace that because I would see Joker on a, like when we do, a, if we do a supervillain episode, like boom, he's up there on that. And then there's no crossover. Okay. You know, well, the um, thing is that these three of the four of these guys are confirmed psychos and Kaiser Soze is debatable. So it's like Lumberg, you know, shakes it up a little bit that all these people are villainous because they're crazy or, you know, I guess consciousness is not crazy, but you know, three of the four are crazy. So, so Jeremy Joker was your pick. You're the only one who can replace him. God damn it. How does this always happen to me? (laughs) Or or I I suppose Rudy, you could do the unthinkable replace Max Katie, who already replaced Annie Wilkes with Bill Lumberg. Mm. Don't do it. You know, and that's Don't do it. it's or so, you could throw to Jeremy, or you could throw to Jeremy. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I I, I want to throw to Jeremy. 
<laughs> that's that's usually yeah. the climax of the show yes. is when we throw to Jeremy and he gets upset. And the anxiety so, just kicks in. I'm like, oh god. Um, well, you know, what? I think I I gotta to to go off of what Spro is saying, and then my own point about everybody being crazy on the list. I would say we'll take Joker down because he's going to have his day on on, on a Rushmore. Uh, and, and replace it with Bill Lumberg because I think he balances it out. He is an iconic film. Every single person listening, speaking, has faced a Bill Lumberg in their life. Um, and so I think he belongs up there. And that way you have, you know, a good cross-section of what makes people villainous. All right. So <clears throat> the final list, after much deliberation, Hannibal Lecter. I only wrote first names and last names, so I almost read Hannibal Lumberg, which would have been a great mashup. <clears throat> Hannibal Lecter, Bill Lumberg, Max Cady, Kaiser Soze. Gentlemen, I think that's a pretty sterling list. I agree. I think we did a good job this time. It. That has a good mix. I'm just looking at it now, and I, I see a good, ma- good mix of um, sociopathy, um, I see a good mix of just pure psychotic behavior, fear, um, just generally scary dudes, and intelligence in all except Lumberg. So I think that's I think that's a good mix for what we were trying to do. I think that is legitimately a Mount Rushmore of human movie villains. Give yourselves a round of applause. We did it. We did, we did it. it, guys. We did it. Nice. All right. So this is the part in the show now that we've carved our Mount Rushmore where we decide what we're going to do next. We have a list of topics on this wheel. I think the last time I uploaded it, it was approaching like 55 or 56. And I'm going to spin the wheel and we're going to decide what topic we're going to debate on the next episode. You guys ready? Oh, yeah. Do Here it. we go. Okay, you guys ready? This is a good one. The next topic for the Mount Rushmore podcast, 90s sci-fi movies. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. 90s sci-fi movies. So any science, any sci-fi, any science fiction movie released between January 1st, 1990 and December 31st, 1999 is fair game. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Uh. So many... Guys, take a deep breath. We're exhausted. We're uh, just completely spent. This has been a fantastic episode, a wonderful debate amongst colleagues, friends, um, sometimes enemies. And we did our very best hoping that you'll enjoy uh, the Mount Rushmore we've carved out. And tune in to future episodes of the Mount Rushmore podcast, where, as we like to say, pop culture is carved in stone. Everybody, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.